Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Flora. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcflora.org. So two weeks ago was Mother's Day, and I, and I spoke to the moms and kind of preached a message sort of directed to them. Last week, I uh, spoke to the dads. It was not, it was not Father's Day, but uh, spoke more directly to the, to the dads, the men in the room uh, uh, last Sunday. And uh, so today I'm talking to both of you. <laughs> I'm talking to uh, moms and dads today and the importance of, of um, uh, the influence that we have with our kids. And so if, uh, it, you know, if, you, if you're both here today, uh, then I'm, I'm talking to both of you. If you're here by yourself, and I, and I know there are single parents here today, single dads, single moms that are here today too. So this is, this is for you today because we're speaking today and talking about... Uh, the importance of bringing our kids to Christ. So whether you're the, the, the traditional nuclear family with mom and dad and kids and a dog and an SUV and everything like that, or, or whether you're a single parent uh, doing it by yourself, whatever, we all, if, if, if you're a parent or if you are going to be a parent, uh, you got a mandate. We've got a mandate from Scripture, and that mandate is that we, as the title of the sermon says today, that we bring our kids to Christ. That's our job. Now, let me tell you something. We, as a church family, First Baptist Church Flora, we're going to do our best to come alongside you and to help you with that, but that ain't our job. So we're going to do our best to come and help you. Uh, Cindy Sansing, Michael Nanny, they're going to, with, with children and students, we're going to do our best to, to equip you and to share the gospel with your kids when we have them from bed babies all the way through. We're gonna, we're, they're going to be exposed to the gospel. They're going to hear the gospel. Uh, Vacation Bible School is coming up. Huge opportunity for us to share the gospel with children and families and things like that. So that's coming up. We're going to do that. Kids ministry. Uh, Michael, D-Now, usually always see students that come to know Christ during D-Now. Youth camp, uh, junior high, senior high camps are coming up. Kids camps are coming up. All kinds of things that we as a church are going to do to partner, emphasis on the word partner, with you to help bring your kids to Christ and to share the gospel with them. Because we believe it's important. We talk about making much of Jesus. That's our our slogan, our logo as a church, that that's what we're all about, that we're making much of Jesus. And so we'll do everything that we can to join with you in making much of Jesus in your kid's life. But y'all, I'm just straight up telling you, the responsibility for bringing your kids to Christ is squarely on our shoulders as parents. And so we need to understand that. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, As a church, we'll help you. But Parents, we need to bring our kids to Christ, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So grab your Bibles if you would. I hope you got your Bible with you, and turn to Mark chapter 10, the second gospel, the second book of the New Testament, Mark chapter 10. We're going to look at verses 13 through 16. Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16, and uh, let's read this passage together. Let's stand, please, as we read Mark chapter 10, verse 13. And they were bringing children to him, bringing children to Jesus, that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, when he saw the rebuking that the disciples were doing, when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, 
let the children come to me do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of God truly I say to you whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it and then look at verse 16 and he took them in his arms and he blessed them laying his hands on them may God bless the reading of his word this morning let's pray father will you help us now by the power of your spirit who is our teacher that we will hear from you today and then God we will respond in obedience with our lives today as you speak to us because you're going to speak Lord I know that and I thank you for that and then help us then father to obey as you speak in Jesus name I pray amen thanks so much you may be seated so back in the uh, late 1800s uh, there was a guy named Herbert Woolston Woolston w-o-o-l-s-t-o-n Herbert Woolston that wrote a little uh, hymn a little little hymn that goes like this and so if you know it when I start singing it you come on and sing it with me all right the hymn goes like this Jesus loves the little children come on all the children of the world red and yellow black and white they are precious in his sight Jesus loves the little children of the world, and he does. He does. Some of the later versions of that uh, song say, every color, every race, all are covered by his grace. That is so cool. Because it's, it's the absolute truth that Jesus does love all kids. He loves children. He really, really does now we don't know a lot about this hymn writer we don't know a lot about herbert woolston i tried to find some stuff out about him but there's not a lot about him but one thing we do know is that the words that herbert woolston put to a tune that he found he didn't write the music he wrote the words we do know that those words are biblically scripturally accurate when they talk about jesus's love for children he really, he absolutely does love all the children of the world. He really does. Amen? All right, he does. He loves your kids. He loves your kids. If your kids are here today, if they're in this room today, he loves your kids. If your kids are over in the nursery, the preschool, he loves your kids. If your kids are not here, but he still loves your kids. He loves your kids, most of whom... In our community and in our, uh, our, our local society, most of your kids are growing up in relatively safe homes where their needs are all met and where most of their wants are met. Uh, especially if your kids are my grandkids, then their wants are met even when parents... Uh, don't want their wants always met but that's what grandkids do but I mean, grandparents do but you're so like he loves your kids and most of your kids are safe most of your kids are, are not your kids are not going to wonder whether or not when y'all get home today uh, there's going to be something on the table for them to eat they're going to have something to eat and then tonight this evening when it's time for supper they're going to have something for supper uh, they're not going to wonder whether or not the the air conditioner is going to be working today or that the lights are going to be on today. They're not going to wonder about when they go to bed tonight if there's going to be a nice 
comfortable, warm, safe bed for them to get in after they've taken a bath in some really nice, warm, hot water that they've got in a clean bathroom, and after they've been out running around and getting sweaty and stinking and everything else, they come in this afternoon and you, you throw them in the bath. They're not going to wonder whether or not they're going to even have water. They're not going to wonder about that kind of stuff. He loves your kids. He also loves kids who grow up in homes that are dangerous. Homes that are dangerous. Homes that are in desperate need. Homes where hunger is an ever-present reality. Homes where abuse and neglect are prevalent. Homes where perversion and evil are rampant in that home. He loves those kids too. He, he, loves, he loves all the kids. He loves kids whose parents, like the vast majority of you here, are uh, somewhat successful in your careers and things like that. And by the world's standards, you are wealthy and you got money in the bank and you're going to be able to pay all your bills and even have money left over where you can go on vacation to the beach or wherever you want to go and go play and go do things. You, he loves kids that are in families like that. And he loves kids who are in families that are in dire poverty right now. Families whose parents are poor, whether that poverty is their choice or by circumstances beyond their control, he still loves those kids. Those kids that are struggling right now in those kinds of He loves children and kids who live in multi-million dollar mansions in the suburbs and kids then who also live in mud and thatch huts in jungles and villages all over the world like I've seen on mission trips to Nicaragua with my daughter Rachel and that we will see in just a few weeks in Dominican Republic and Haiti and people uh, children that are just running around and living in little shacks that you and I would not even want to spend one single night in he loves those kids too he loves kids who are homeless and who are living on the streets right now in in mega cities all over the world and in war-torn nations right now and experiencing terror and horrors that no child should ever have to see jesus loves those kids too he loves kids who are safe and kids who are not he loves kids who don't live in fear like your kids most of your kids don't live in fear they might be afraid of a spider like I am. They, you know, they may hate spiders. They, they, they may be afraid of the weather or something like that. They may be afraid that they're going to make a bad grade on a test or something, but they don't live in fear. But then he also loves, loves kids that do constantly live in fear in their lives. He loves kids like yours who are, for the most part, innocent of the wickedness of our world because you try your best to protect them from all of those kinds of influences. And then he loves kids who right now, this moment, are being trafficked in the most unimaginable ways to make money for some of the most depraved reprobates in the world. And he loves those kids. I'm just telling you. When you look at Scripture, specifically the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see that Jesus did love kids. He loved kids. Now look, society didn't. Society didn't love them. Not the way we do. Now our kids are precious, aren't they? Aren't they? Are, are, your kids ain't precious? 
Come on, are your kids precious? Yeah, man, they're cute, and they're precious, and they're cuddly, and they're wonderful, and we just go and God and all this kind of stuff, and we just love them, and it's wonderful, and we see them as sweet and cute and endearing and all that kind of stuff. The Jewish culture, the New Testament, didn't see them that way. They were a nuisance. Now, I know our kids can be a nuisance every now and then, but they, they were seen as a nuisance as a bothersome distraction in that culture in that day. But I want to tell you something. By his actions and by his teachings, it is so clear. He made it clear. Jesus made it clear that when he said, for God so loved the what? The world, he included kids in that. <laughs> Kids are in the world, and when Jesus said, God so loved the world, he was talking about kids, too. And you see that in his teaching. You see that in his actions. Now, look, I, I will submit to you that you don't see, when you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you don't see a whole lot of interactions that Jesus had with kids. We, don't, we, don't, we just don't have. I think there were more than what the gospel writers uh, recorded. It just... That's just kind of a personal opinion. There's no scriptural basis for that, but I, I think it was probably more. But the gospel writers didn't write about a lot of them. But the ones that they did write about, you can see that Jesus cared about kids. I mean, if you went to John chapter 4, you will see that this royal official came to Jesus and said, My son is dying. Can you please heal my son? And Jesus healed his son. Blew him away, made his day, made his life. Healed his son of his disease. And then you go to Mark chapter 7 and Mark chapter 9, and you see in Mark chapter 7, Jesus cast a demon out of a little girl. Then Mark chapter 9, he cast demons out of a little boy. He cared about kids. You, you go to Luke chapter 8, and you see he raised a 12-year-old girl from the dead. He cared about kids and then by his teachings here in mark chapter 10 and again in matthew 18 that jesus sometimes would take kids and use them as sermon illustrations use them as object lessons i mean here he said look you got to be you want to go to heaven you got to be like a kid <laughs> you got to be like a kid and he would pull the kids up and say look you see this this is what you got to be like so i mean he had a special place in his heart for children so you need to know that Jesus loves your kids this church loves your kids you love your kids and so the application for this message is that bringing your kids to Christ is one of the greatest privileges of being a parent bringing your kids to Christ is one of the greatest privileges of being a parent so when we look at Mark chapter 10 in this passage of Scripture, we see four insights that I want to bring out to you today as we think about bringing our kids to Christ. And what does this mean? And how do we do this? What's this all about? And so the first thing I would tell you as we look at Mark chapter 10, verse 13, is number one, be intentional with them. Be intentional with your children. Look at Mark chapter 10, verse 13. Look at what it says there. And they were bringing children to him they were bringing children to him they weren't sending their kids to him now let's just be honest sometimes we want to 
We want to send them away for a little while, don't we? We need a break. We need a little time to ourselves. Mama needs some me time, you know, that kind of stuff. And so you want, you want to send them away. But listen, and that's not what's happening here. They were bringing, bringing their children to him. They were very intentional about this. They were bringing their kids. They didn't send them, and, and they had very clear intentions. They were bringing their children to him. Why? Look at the next part of that uh, verse, that he might touch them. They're very intentional. They were bringing their kids for the purpose that Jesus might touch them. Look, they had to have seen Jesus touching people and touching blind people's eyes and they see and touching crippled people and they're able to walk and touching a guy with a withered up hand and his hand is healed and touching dead people and they come back to life. They had to know that when Jesus touches your life, things change. Amen? And so they said, I gotta, we got to get our kids to this guy and let him touch them. Don't you want Jesus to touch your kids' lives? I hope you do. That you want him to touch it. And I'm telling you, you need to know that. That when Jesus touches your life, and there's some of you here today that Jesus needs to touch your life, you need to let him touch your life today. But man, when he touches your kids' lives, things change. But you need to know this too. Under this same point, there, there will be opposition to that. <laughs> These disciples, bless your hearts. Now look, I think they had good intentions. I think that they... They just didn't know. They were in that New Testament, that, that Jewish culture that saw kids as a nuisance and a distraction. And the, so these parents are bringing their kids and the disciples go, oh, hey, hey, whoa, 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 hey, this is Jesus back home. Don't bring those kids up. Oh, no, hang on, hang on, hang on. Not bringing those kids up. Jesus got important stuff to do. He ain't got time for your kids. <laughs> and there's always going to be people who are going to oppose you when you try to do gospel stuff. Amen. And specifically with your kids. There will be people. There will be people who will disapprove of what you're trying to do to bring your kids to Christ. Sometimes, some, of you, some of you say, yeah, you're right, John. That's right. That's in my family. I got family members that don't like what I'm trying to do with my kids to bring them to Jesus. You got family members that push back. You got people that push back. There's always going to be people, always be people who will try to disrupt the work of the gospel. But look, I know that the Word of God says in Ephesians chapter 6 that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. I understand that. I, I ain't fighting with you. You ain't fighting with me. We're fighting an unseen enemy who hates us and hates your kids and hates your family and hates this church. He wants to do everything that he can to try to disrupt the work of the gospel. These disciples didn't know any better. They were just rebuking these parents that you can't bring these kids to Jesus. And they opposed them. And I'm telling you, you need to understand that there will be people who will oppose you. Because the enemy, if, listen, if there's any, the enemy's hard at work. <laughs> I know I don't have to tell you that. But man, if there's, if there's any place, so you want to pray for me, I know some of you do and I appreciate that, so you want to pray for me, then you pray for my family. Because if there's any, way, any place that the enemy can get me distracted, 
It's when he starts messing with my family. And then I've got a real temptation to lose my focus on the Lord. You start, me- you start messing with Vicky, you got a problem with me. You start messing with my kids, you got a problem with me. My grandkids, it's always going to be opposition. The enemy's going to look for those places in your lives. And the same is true for a bunch of y'all. I know you. A bunch of y'all are the same way with your families. And the enemy knows that. So where do you think he's going to hit you? He's going to hit you in the place that you love the most, the place where you're the most vulnerable. And if he can find that chink in your armor and get in there, he's well on his way to getting something, some serious damage done in your life. But let me tell you something. When there's opposition, listen to me, parents. You keep going. You keep going. Keep going. You keep pressing on. You keep bringing those kids to Jesus. You keep trying to get those kids to Jesus. You keep trying to get them to a place in a place in their life where Jesus can touch them. You don't stop. Keep going, even in the face of opposition. You keep going. Be intentional. Be intentional about bringing your kids to Jesus. Secondly, don't hinder them. Don't hinder them. Verse 14, look at what Jesus said. When Jesus saw, now you got to see this, <laughs> when Jesus saw the disciples rebuking those parents, he was indignant. And he said to them, you let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for, such, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Listen, let me tell you something. Let me tell you what that word indignant means in the Greek. Here's what it means. It means he was ticked off. That's what it means. That Greek word means he was incensed. You ever been incensed? When you get incensed, your veins pop out, don't they? Your face gets red. Your jaw tightens up. My family tells me I have angry eyes, right? Rachel, I got angry. I'm like Mr. Potato Head. I I put angry eyes on. I I get angry eyes when I get incensed. When I get upset, that's what this word indignant means. You get incensed. He was incensed that these disciples would keep these kids from coming to him. It means that he was irate with them. He was offended that these disciples would stop these kids from coming to him. Can I tell you, sometimes it's good to be angry. There are some things that it's okay for you to be angry about. I am angry that kids are being trafficked. When I read a news report just this past week that an 11-year-old girl was snatched away from an NBA basketball game just this past week out in Texas and taken away to a hotel for 11 days where they used her and abused her and made money off of her, I get ticked off about that. There are things to get upset about righteously and because Jesus did. <laughs> there were some things that Jesus got righteously angry about. Number one place was when the, when the Pharisees wouldn't answer him. There was a time when he was having this conversation with the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and he asked them a question, and they just stood there. We're not going to answer you. We don't have to answer you. <laughs> and he was just like, you guys, you guys make me so mad. Y'all just make me so mad. And there was another place, and the reason they made him mad is because he said, your lips say one thing, but your heart shows the real, the real you. Which is true of all of us, by the way. You know the other time he got mad, you remember when he went into the temple? And they were, the money changers were in the temple? 
you talk about getting ticked off, man. He said, this is supposed to be a house of prayer, and you have made it a den of thieves, a den of robbers. You about to get out of here. And he drove them all out. Man, he was ticked off, and then he's ticked off here. He's ticked off. He's righteously mad because these disciples were trying to keep the kids from coming to him, and Jesus was not cool with that. That was not a cool thing for these guys to try to keep these kids from coming to him. The disciples thought that Jesus was too important to be bothered with the kids, but Jesus thought that the kids were too important not to be brought to him in these critical tender years. So don't hinder them. Because look at what Jesus said. He was so clear that the way anyone comes into the kingdom of God is you come like a little child. You come like these kids. He said, do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. They were completely dependent upon him. Just like you and I are. You and I are. They didn't bring anything. They, they couldn't bring, you don't bring anything to your salvation. You don't bring your good works. You don't bring your religiosity. You don't bring your church membership and all the money you've given to the church over the years. You don't bring anything. You just come totally depend upon him and then just re just receiving from jesus that's what and he said that's how you come so listen to me parents we don't need to do anything to hinder our children from coming to jesus because you know you may know you probably do know that the vast majority of people come to know christ during their childhood years how many of you gave your life to Jesus when you were a kid, when you were a child? Raise your hand. Look at the hands. The same way at 8 o'clock, man. Hands went up everywhere. I was 8 years old when I gave my life to Christ. So don't hinder them from coming to Jesus. Third thing is this. Learn from them. Look at verse 15. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Man, think about these kids. Think about kids. They just, let's just learn from them for just a minute. And we can learn some stuff from kids. These kids, man, when they came, they, they, kids come. They come with a simple faith. They come with a simple faith. They come with a sincere desire. They come with a spirit of eagerness. You think about it. They, 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 just, they just simply believe. They just believe. <laughs> they believe. They, they do what the Bible says. They believe. They don't, they don't clutter up this step of faith with a bunch of complicated stuff they just believe when the word of god says in the book of acts believe on the lord jesus christ and you will be saved guess what they do okay when they hear john three sixteen, for god so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life they go okay i'll believe they just simply believe and they they just simply want to know jesus they just want to know Jesus. They don't, they're, they're not worried about various nuances of eschatological viewpoints, or they're not wondering about the implications of Jesus being consubstantial with humanity and consubstantial with God. You don't even know what I just said, do you? I don't even know what I just said. And kids don't care about that stuff. They just want to know Jesus. And, 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 and they simply come to Him with an excitement and a joy that is real and is deep. We can learn from them. Look, listen to me. Before I get in trouble, happens all the time, before I get in trouble, let me tell you something. I'm not saying that you shouldn't try to understand more about Jesus. 
I can tell you what the consubstantial nature of Jesus and the, I mean the consubstantial nature of humanity and the consubstantial uh, nature with God means. But you don't, I'm not saying you all don't need to understand that kind of stuff. What I'm saying to you is that many of us adults have lost the childlike wonder and amazement of Jesus. We've lost it. Or maybe we never had it in the first place. We've just lost that. We, we've lost that Jesus Christ is God's one and only Son and that God wants to have a relationship with us and it just seems too simple. It just seems too easy. It just seems too plain. Got to be more to it than that. No, no, it's not. Just learn from kids. Because Jesus said, look at what he said in verse 15. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. I want you to think about something with me for just a second. Think about your kids. Think about Christmas morning. Think about a, their birthday. We just had a birthday yesterday for, uh, for Campbell. Our, one of our grandsons turned three, and so we had his birthday. So think about a birthday. Think about a Christmas morning for, with your little children. What, what do they do when they get a gift? When they get that gift that they really... They really want it. They open that present. They rip that paper off and they, they find it. They get it. Whatever it is, it's the, it's the perfect gift. It's the greatest gift they've ever received. And they take it and they, they, clutch, it to their, they clutch it to their chest. They're so excited about it. And, and they smile real big and they, they may holler and say, look what I got, look what I got. And then mom and daddy says, okay, tell Papa, thank you. And so they have to say thank you. And then they run out to go to show their friends and tell their friends what they got from Santa Claus or what they got at their birthday. You think we might could learn some stuff from some kids? We adults have gotten so sophisticated, so dignified, so sold up in our faith. And we just need to learn from kids that we've got the greatest gift in the world and clutch it and be so thankful for it and be so excited about it and run out and tell folks about it. How long has it been since you did that? The last thing is this. Just remember that Jesus loves them. Just remember that Jesus loves them. Go back to the song that we started with. Just remember Jesus loves them. Look at verse 16. And he took them. I want you to get this picture. He took them in his arms and he blessed them laying his hands on them. You know what that means? It means he hugged them. Jesus hugged these kids. And he hugged them big time. <laughs> you disciples, step aside. Let them come to me. And don't you know they ran to him? You just, can you see that? You see him running to him? And then he grabbed them. And he hugged them big time. And then it says he blessed them. Do you know what that Greek word there literally means? It means that he blessed them ardently. Now what does ardently mean? It means that he blessed them with great emotion. 
That means that when they, they came running to him and he grabbed him and hugged him and held on to him and blessed him and his face was, his, the smile was a mile wide on his face, maybe tears coming down his cheek as he saw these little kids come running to him. He's blessing them. He's blessing them with, 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 with great intense emotion. He's blessing them passionately and fervently with enthusiasm and with zeal and just love it. Look at these kids. Man, I love these kids. So don't you ever forget this. No matter where your kids are. No matter what stage of life they're in. Maybe they're sitting in here with you right now. Maybe they are over in the preschool right now. Maybe they're not here. They're grown and gone. Don't you ever forget that Jesus loves them. When you're wondering, when you're wondering if your son or daughter is ever going to come to faith in Christ, don't you ever forget that Jesus loves them. When you're wondering if that prodigal son of yours is so far away from the Lord right now, that prodigal daughter of yours who doesn't want to have anything to do with you or the church, or don't you dare even say anything to me about Jesus. You're wondering if they're ever going to come home. Don't you ever forget that Jesus loves them. When you look at the condition of this world that we're living in, that ain't going to get any better, you get anxious and knotted up about your kids growing up in this world. Don't tell me you're not there because I'm right there with you. You wonder what's the future going to be like. Don't you ever forget that Jesus loves them. You remember. He's got them. He loves them. He wants to bless them ardently, passionately, fervently. He wants to touch them. So you bring your kids to Jesus. I'll tell you how we're going to end this message today. Might put some of you a little bit outside your comfort zone. I really don't care because I think it's this important. We're going to end in a time of prayer. I'm going to be here for the invitation. I'll tell you that in just a second. But we're going to have a time of prayer. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to try to cover everybody. If I don't cover you, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm trying my best to think about everybody that's in the room. I don't want anybody, well, you didn't just cut me a little slack. I'm trying to do my best to do this. Here's what I want to do. If your kids are here with you today, if they're in this room today with you, then in just a minute, I want you to gather up as a family. And I want you to pray for your kids. If dad is here, then daddy, I talked to you last week. So if daddy, if you're here, you're the one that's going to pray. Out loud for your kids. You're not going to come up here and do it. I'm not going to bring you, not that. But you're going to pray for your kids out loud in just a moment. That's your job, daddy. Man up and do it. Do that today.
It can be as simple as God bless my kids. And let me tell you something. If that comes from a heart of faith and a heart that loves your kids, God will hear that prayer as much as he'll hear some flowery, wonderful, theological-sounding prayer, which a lot of times God doesn't hear those. If your kids are here, I want you to gather up in just a minute and pray with your kids, pray over your kids. And if, Daddy, if Daddy's here, Daddy needs to be the one doing the praying. If Daddy's not here, then Mama, you pray. If your kids aren't here, but if your spouse is here, and so again, I'm trying to think about everybody. If your spouse is here, then I want you to pray with your spouse for your kids. Okay? So if they're not here, you pray for them anyway with your spouse. Um, if you don't have kids, we got a lot of young adults here that don't have kids yet or whatever, then you, can I ask you to do this? You pray for those of us that do have kids because we need it. Amen. We need the prayer. So you pray for us. In just a minute, you pray for us. And then, if your son or your daughter does not know Jesus yet, no matter what their age is, or if your son or your daughter is a prodigal right now, and that is so heavy on your heart, and that's why maybe right now you're struggling right now. You're having a hard time right now. Because he's out there, she's out there, and it breaks your heart. I'm your pastor. I'll be here. If you need to come, with, come down here with me, and I'll pray with you about that. If you feel like you need that, then come on, I'll pray with you about that. That prodigal or that son or daughter that doesn't know Jesus yet. Come on, I'll pray with you about that. And then one more thing before we pray. So get ready. We're about to stand and we're going we're gonna to pray. If you need to come to Jesus, you come on. Parents, if you're not saved, you don't know Christ, come to Jesus today. Children, kids, if you need Jesus today and you're ready to be saved, you come on. Come on down here. Come to Jesus and be saved. Mom and Daddy, it may be that even while you're praying here in just a minute with your, your child, you may, you may realize it's time for you to bring them, literally, maybe bring them down this aisle and bring them to Jesus today. Not forcing them, but if it's time, you come on with them. This is just a time for you, time for us to pray. For our kids, for our families, and for those who need the prayer today. So that's what we're going to do. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then I'll invite you to stand in just a second and begin to pray, and we'll sing and close the service. I'll be here during the invitation if you need to come and pray with me. I might ask Vicki to come down in just a second and come and let me pray with her for our kids too, but then after we do that, you're welcome to come and do that with us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity. God, I know there's some folks maybe feeling a little nervous right now. That's okay. Lord, bless them. Take care of them. As we just pray. As we talk to you. Call out to you for our kids. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name.